Welcome to the Mama Theologians podcast. Mama Theologians is an online motherhood ministry on mission to revive spiritual growth in the midst of motherhood. We offer our devotional and narrative podcast episodes to further equip mothers in theological study, biblical literacy, and spiritual formation. We pray that God will use these offerings for His glory and that He will revive and deepen your spiritual growth in Jesus. Thank you for joining in on our final few episodes of Season 3, A Lamp Unto My Feet, Abiding in the Light of God's Word to Illuminate Our Lives. You're listening to one of our conversation episodes hosted by our mama theologian, Amy Fisher, as she talks about Bible reading and study with another one of our mama theologians. I know that these conversations will be edifying, encouraging, and will help to practically equip you to further read and study God's Word. Enjoy! Well, welcome back to another episode of the Mama Theologians podcast. My name is Amy Fisher. I am a contributor at Mama Theologians, and I am your host for today. This is the second in a short series of conversations that we are having about studying God's word. So if you missed the last episode, I really encourage you to just hit the back button in your podcast app and listen to me chat with Mama Theologians contributor Kylie Dunn all about why we should read scripture in the first place, because this episode is really following on from that. So today I have another contributor from the Mama Theologians team, Kelsey Folsom. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, it's good to be here. What a privilege. Now, just before we get started with our conversation, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So as Amy mentioned, my name is Kelsey Folsom and I also write for Mama Theologians. I'm married. I have four kids. My youngest is a year old. So lots happening in in my house. I am a poet. I am a singer, a writer, uh, very involved in the arts. So I love how I can meet with God in those places and how often some of my favorite art is so informed by scripture and by the artist's study of God and his word. It's so rich. So I love Um, particularly within a family context, figuring out how we can kind of put flesh on, on God's words. So it's, it's fun to figure out how to do that. And more fun, I think, for my kids too to experience God. Yes, we read the Bible, but in a way, our whole life is a place that we can interact with God. So it's fun to marry those two together. So I live in, in Kansas city, Missouri. So we're just coming up on winter time here. So we're getting ready for all that. (laughs) That's awesome. Kelsey. Thank you. Now in our last episode, like I mentioned, Kylie and I talked about why we read scripture, but in this episode, we're assuming that we are convinced we are inspired. We're excited to read and study scripture, but what do we actually do when we sit down to and open up our Bibles? Now, I just want to begin by saying that there are a lot of different approaches that we can take and there isn't one right way. And in fact, at the, just to give away the end of the podcast, I would say it's 
a good idea to have multiple approaches to studying and reading scripture. And Kelsey and I are going to talk about a few of those today. But before we get into specifics, Kelsey, could you just share a little bit about how your approach to studying and reading the Bible has maybe changed or developed through your life, especially as you've become a mom and have added kids to your family? Yes. I, from a very young age, I was talking to God for whatever reason. I knew God was around and available to talk to me. My grandfather was the senior pastor of a large church in the city I grew up in. So I kind of was born into church for lack of better words, but I always had this sense that he was real and I could talk to him. So even before I could read, I remember outside in our backyard, just talking to God about the animals or the birds, or I love to sing. So I would just be singing songs and I, I felt this peace or the presence of something more than my physical world being true and something I could connect with. So once I was able to read, I had a Bible and would read what I could of the Bible. It wasn't really until elementary school that I really started to have more of a, an understanding of, whoa, <laughs> Genesis is nuts. <laughs> uh, even for a 10 year old, all that to say, reading the Bible, you know, I could without kids sit there and read it for as long as I wanted or spend as much time thinking about it, praying about it, whatever. Uh, so once I got married and had kids, I think my, my practice has changed in that often the study happens in smaller increments and sometimes it doesn't happen at all. But if you did something the day before, you can carry it over into the next day. So I think figuring out how to engage in study in ways that were succinct, simple, something I could carry with me throughout my day and even involve my kids in if they happen upon me when I've just sat down to read for a little bit. <laughs> I've definitely had to cultivate kind of a, a graciousness in my spirit to just welcome whatever's going to happen and know that God is there and he's not thinking, gosh, Kelsey, can't you get it a little more together than that? <laughs> Kelsey, I think that's really relatable. Just the idea that you sit down and you open up your Bible and then your kids come along or the baby wakes up. And I think that they're a big part of motherhood, at least for me, is just recognizing that faith isn't meant to be individualistic. You know, it's not just about me and myself and God, you know, he designed us to be in a family, in a church family, and he's put yeah. us in specific families. And actually our approach to scripture should embrace the fact that this is something that should draw us into relationship, not just with God, but with our children and the other people in our lives. So yes. I think that'll be something interesting to touch on as we kind of talk about some of these different methods and approaches to studying the Bible and just how we can kind of accommodate some of life's interactions. Yeah. So when we were preparing for this recording, you mentioned that you sometimes use the Swedish method of Bible study. Now, I had never heard of this before, but I'm really interested in what this is. <laughs> so could you, yes. could you share a little bit about that? Yes. So Swedish study method came about in the 20th century. I can't remember exactly who first kind of put together this method, but 
the the heart behind it was to be simple enough to use as a weekly Bible study with like college age kids. Um, cause now they're kids. Cause I'm in my thirties and college kids are kids now. So, <laughs> um, but essentially it has three components and I, I would say it probably falls under like an inductive style method, but the three components are a light bulb, a question mark and an arrow. So it's meant to be something that you can do together live. There's not a lot of beforehand preparation. So the light bulb would be anything that draws attention or stands out to you as you're reading the passage of scripture. Um, The question mark obviously is any questions that are provoked, anything that's hard to understand. The last thing would be an arrow. How, you know, what is it convicting in you? How can you apply this scripture to your life? There are obviously options to expand on what you find, which would be cultivating more of a background understanding of the context and questions like, what can we know about God's character? And what does this tell me about the gospel or how is it connected to the gospel? Where is Jesus in this passage? My grandfather used to preach a a sermon called Christ and all the Bible. And he would essentially just do kind of a quick survey overview of every book of the Bible and where are we seeing Christ in there? So I like this method because it's simple. I like that it is very amenable to the interruptions and inviting my kids. In fact, literally this morning, I'm having a bursitis flare up in my hips. I'm kind of in bed for a lot of today, but my twin boys, I have twin boys who are five, kind of bounded in here with their levies and what's going on, mom? And I'm like, let's read the Bible together. So I just put my Bible on my lap to kind of dig in. So I flipped over to First John because that's a very family friendly book of the Bible. And, uh, and just in about five minutes kind of touched on all three things, like let's listen for what stands out to us and let's ask questions about what we don't understand or what's hard. And so it's very, very family friendly. And I like the, the pictorial aspect of a light bulb, a question mark and an arrow. Yeah, that does sound like it has um, some connections to inductive study, which is the next method that I wanted to chat about. So it it also begins with observation. There's actually three parts to observation, interpretation, and application. And before I get too much into it, I do have a rather lengthy post on the Mama Theologians website about inductive Bible study. So I won't try to um, go into it too much in detail in the podcast, but it does start with just reading, reading a book of the Bible, reading a chapter of the Bible, looking at it closely, asking who wrote this, why did they write it? What was going on at the time that they wrote it? Really seeking out as much as you can from the scripture itself to answer those questions. And it's actually really amazing what you get from just really close observation of the, of scripture. You know, I, um, I'm just part way. I'm about halfway through an inductive study on first John. And, you know, just by asking the question, well, what do we learn about John and what do we learn about the people we were writing to? You start to pull out all of these details, like, oh, there was persecution going on, or Mm -hmm. there are, you know, there are these people who are 
are breaking away from the church and they're no longer teaching the truth. And these people were concerned and John was concerned that this church would know the truth and live in the truth. And you, it's really, you mentioned kind of putting flesh onto scripture. Mm-hmm. I think what I notice with the inductive method is that, especially by spending lots of that time, just an observation, you really start to get this solid picture of what was going on at the time, stuff that you yeah. just don't notice if you just kind of read it through really quickly. And it gets me really excited if you can't tell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but after you've really spent that time kind of asking, you know, who was go- who was, who was there? What was going on? Why were they writing? You move on into interpretation and that's where you kind of get into some of those things that are maybe a little bit more confusing. So John's always writing about the light, for example, and he writes about it in his gospel. He writes about it in, in his letters, you know, walking in the light. And so you might actually do some cross-referencing over to other places where he's written or different parts of the Bible. And you'll start to, again, just start to build up this picture of what it means to walk in the light or to walk in the truth and you'll use scripture as your way to interpret what scripture means. So if you're, if you're confused about something, you'll go to another part of the Bible where maybe it's a little bit more clear and you'll be able to start to piece these parts together. And then after you've done all of that footwork is that's when you get to application. And that's when you start to think, wow, like, what does this, what does this mean for my life? What is my response to this? And it's not always an application of, oh, I need to go and do this thing today. You know, sometimes that sometimes that application is worship. Um, Sometimes it's confession. Sometimes it does mean I need to go out and do something differently today than I had (laughs) planned, but it just leaves um, so much space for a response to scripture that is really rooted in having listened really closely to what God is saying in his words. So I really enjoy it. I do use a workbook for this. I don't usually sit down and just do my own inductive studies. So I will right. use a workbook or something to kind of walk me through the process. But um, it's been, it, it's it's definitely something that has really enriched my, my spiritual life from the time I was in college up through now. And in fact, if I'm sort of feeling dry spiritually, my response is to say, I think I probably need to pick up another inductive study because I just (laughs) need that sort of push to really wrestle and get into the word that way. Yeah. Now with inductive study, after you kind of have done all of that legwork and studied a passage really closely, you would often go and read commentaries and get input from other people. So inductive study is often about doing that work yourself and then kind of going and checking what other people say and making sure you're kind of on the right track and um, just getting other other people's input. But I know that commentaries are something that you also incorporate into your time in the word, Kelsey. So how do you go about using those resources? Yeah. So I love the library as most writers do. (laughs) There are way too many books that I want to read than my budget can handle. So one of them particularly is commentaries. Commentaries tend to be expensive and there's so many out there. It's, I enjoy getting commentaries from different voices, maybe on the same book of the Bible to compare, like you said, what I'm getting in my own personal study and what they have gotten. And often they are way beyond and they're, you know, they're professors and historians of Old Testament and like they've got all the context they've probably been to a number of places that are being discussed in person so I love to pick a a 
book of the Bible. And often it will be something the Lord is pressing on my heart. There was about, uh, I guess a year ago, first Samuel, for whatever reason, I'd never really studied first Samuel in depth. I felt God pushing me like, I want you to study this. And it was around the time of the election. And, um, it was uncanny to me to see what was happening in Israel at that time and their desire for a king and to no longer have God kind of be their king. They wanted a physical king with Saul. There were a lot of parallels with what was happening in America and the lead up to the election it was fascinating. So anyways, I went to get a commentary on first Samuel by one of my favorite theologians, historians, pastors, Walter Brueggemann and his writing style, I believe is very accessible. Uh, it's very rich. There's a lot of detail. He's an incredibly brilliant man, but writes in a way that you can understand it. It's not dry. He's not a dry writer. So I will maybe a chapter at a time, depending on how dense, you know, if it's 40 to 50 pages of commentary for this one chapter, I might splice that up, but just kind of a chapter at a time. Like, okay, I'm going to read first Samuel today for Samuel chapter one. And then maybe spend the next few days side by side with my Bible open and the commentary kind of seeing, okay, that's how he made that connection. That's how this happened. So that's kind of a way that I use commentaries in my study of scripture. And it's, I love that because it's often very inspiring and usually very relevant. So surprise God's word is still relevant. <laughs> yeah. I think comment there is, there is such a range of commentaries and you can get ones that are sort of more devotional in nature. Some will um, be very sort of archeological, you know, they'll be focused mm-hmm. on the place and the setting and kind of what we know from historical archeological studies. And there, there is such a range and there are, there are commentaries that are in the public domain. If you go to blue letter Bible, you can often find several commentaries just right on online. Now the public domain ones do tend to be a bit older and the language can be a bit archaic. <laughs> Yes. But if you're looking for just a couple of those. (laughs) Yeah. But if you're looking for just a little bit of input to get you started or you feel really stuck with something, I think it is good to know that you have access to those resources. And again, you are walking this Christian walk on your own. And so it is okay with, you know, to go and seek out just the wisdom of the body of believers that we are a part of and to hear what they have to say and to and to, to consider that and incorporate that into your study of scripture. Now, I do really love inductive study. I find it's just really mentally engaging and I get really wrapped up in it, but it's not an approach that I take to studying my Bible every single day. So most weeks I will maybe do work on an inductive study, maybe three to five times a week. I'm usually leading an inductive study through my church. So I kind of have to (laughs) have to work on it a certain amount. Otherwise I'm just not getting my stuff done ready for a Bible study, but that does still leave several days that I sort of have off from this Mm -hmm. inductive study. So I think it's really important to have some other tools on our tool bag for these other days. I think largely because sometimes I think we all probably have mornings where trying to get into that really place where you are mentally able to do something a bit more challenging. If that feels really difficult, you may just never get started. So I think it's really important to have something that is maybe 
maybe feels a little bit more approachable if you're maybe feeling a little bit mentally taxed, if that makes sense. But one of the things that you mentioned that you practice um, from time to time, at least Kelsey, is Lectio Divina. So this is an ancient practice of reading scripture. I think it's particularly associated with the medieval church. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear you share a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I am more of a quiet person. So I do a lot of reflecting and observing and um, kind of the, the disciplines that are more still or reflective in nature naturally kind of resonate with me. So this practice of divine reading, Lexio Divina literally means divine reading in Latin, is kind of a, a process for being still for contemplating for inviting the Holy spirit into our reading to illuminate what he has for us to know today about him or about ourselves or the world around us. So it consists of maybe four components. There's the reading, there's the meditating, the praying, and then the contemplating. So anytime you're going to read scripture, engage in prayer, like pray first. So we invite the Lord to come and to um, show us what he wants to show us. So the first part, you pick a a short passage of scripture. So this is more about pressing into a highlight in a short passage, as opposed to reading two chapters and trying to understand what's going on. So as you read, you know, no, no more than 10 verses is kind of the recommendation. Really pay attention to what sticks out to you, whether that's a question or this phrase, that phrase you're going to focus on, that's kind of going to be, okay, the Lord's highlighting this to me. There must be a reason. So we take that, that phrase. It could even just be one word, like maybe the word faithful is just sticking out in your brain for some reason. So on our next meditation portion, we're just going to turn that word over in our minds. Like what do, what do our minds associate with the word faithful? Are there any, like right now, my wedding day is coming up in my head or just what memories does it stir? What kind of dreams does it stir? You can write them down. This is a great practice to have a journal nearby to write down that word or phrase. So then next that's going to lead us into the prayer portion of Lord, why? What do you want to tell me about this word? What's going on in my life right now that needs to hear of your faithfulness or whatever your word or phrase is? What are you trying to teach me? And then at the end, the contemplation portion, we're kind of done reading, but we're we're resting in the presence of God. So we are being still. We're going to try to turn off the hamster wheel of our mind and just sit in the embrace of the Lord and kind of have a posture of gratitude, of thankfulness, of um, even praise. You mentioned earlier of like, you know, for the application portion, you know, it's going to lead us into an action. This is a bit like that, but more of a, a stillness. We're trying to rest in the embrace of God. So you can do that as many times as you want to like go through that process and what sticks out to you. So it's not so much about understanding, like having a scholarly understanding of 
the passage of scripture. It's more of a, a way to connect with Holy Spirit inside of this scripture for us in the day. And I like, I like doing this earlier in the day because then that word or phrase, you know, throughout your day, as you're cooking, you can, you can meditate on it for the rest of the day. So I like, I like that. That's really interesting, Kelsey. I was listening to a podcast about this over the last couple of months, and it was with a professor named Hans Burzma, but he was talking about too how Lectio Divina would, the the people practicing this in the medieval church, these monks, they would, they would have carefully studied scripture. And so it's not just this sort of I'm just going to throw up in my Bible and take these 10 verses completely out of context and not really know what I'm talking about or thinking right. about. But I think um, what I was really inspired by was sort of taking this, maybe I'm studying first John in my inductive study, but my, I was really inspired to say, well, actually on some of those down days where I don't need to be working on my workbook, this is something I can take to the, this passage that I've been studying really carefully, but meditate on it and reflect on it. And like you said, rest in it. And it's this contemplative exercise and it starts with a, a careful handling of scripture, but yes. it does just, um, yeah, it really reminds you that this isn't all something that happens in kind of your rational brain. You are a spiritual creature. And it, I think that this is a, a reflection of that. Yeah. But um, just on another related note, another resource that I really enjoyed this year is a book called Enjoying the Bible by Matthew Mullins. And it's not really surprising, but it's about enjoying <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> almost the way that you would read a novel for enjoyment. Like you just like it, you enjoy it. And I think that's something that we don't really think about very much. You know, it's how, I, I don't know how many people do you know who, who would say like, I just love to read my Bible for fun because it's great. You know, I think that there's a real challenge there, but often Bible study, it does feel like maybe this tick box exercise. And so he was really advocating for things like reading on a whim, you know, maybe your pastor alluded to this story in first Samuel, for example, and you say, I think I should just read that. And so you open up your Bible and just read it. It's not on your Bible study plan, but you just <laughs> go for it or reading long stretches of the Bible in one sitting, the way you might read through a novel that you just can't put your, put down. Yeah. Um, he was really um, campaigning for learning to enjoy poetry as well, because a lot of people don't like poetry. A lot of people maybe found it really confusing in school or had a bad experience, but he makes a really good point that if you don't like poetry, you actually don't like a very significant portion of the Bible. And poetry is one of those things where you can't just analyze it to death. You do have to enjoy it. That's just the nature of that type of writing of that form is inviting us to make those emotional connections between our, our lives and what we are reading from the psalmist, for example. So I thought that this was so important because we do have a temptation to maybe just break everything down and be really analytical and try to just understand everything. But you know, we don't learn to love an apple by breaking it down into its sugars and fibers. You know, we have to see it and smell it and taste it as a whole. And if we're maybe a little bit uninspired or we're finding Bible studies maybe a bit dull or boring, then I think we should really consider this. Are we 
learning to enjoy and taste and, and, and smell and participate in the Bible as a whole, or are we breaking it down into such little pieces that we just can't enjoy it? Anyway, I just think it's so important to just realize that reading our, reading our Bible, enjoying it, you know, not necessarily come coming to it with this sort of strict idea of I have to do A, B, and C, or it doesn't count. That's not productive or helpful. And it's also not true. I think it's really important to know that actually just reading it is really, really beneficial and really helpful. So now Kelsey, just as we start to wrap up, uh, could you give any words of wisdom to mamas listening who maybe they just aren't sure where to start when it comes to reading the Bible? Yeah. So I think having, well, a setting yourself up for success is very important, especially if you've got a lot of kids at home. For me, I know that if I don't have a Bible accessible to me, readily accessible, there's a much lower chance that I'm going to nab five minutes of reading a Psalm or something. Whereas, so I live in a house that is three, three floors. It's small and stuffed. (laughs) Uh, So I have a Bible on each floor. I have a Bible in my kitchen. I usually have at least a notepad and a pen nearby so that, okay, I need, the oven needs to preheat. So I'm going to have like five minutes for my oven to preheat. Maybe I can read the Psalm of the day. That's something my dad always did growing up. He would read a Psalm and a proverb every day. So just whatever day on the calendar it is, that's the number of Psalm or proverb that you read. So just to start out, that's a very easy, you're going to come away with something from either of those books. And so that's an easy way to start. Another encouragement I would have is to try to find different translations of the Bible. I find that if I've been one in one translation and I have favorites, but if I'm in one translation for a long time, the language kind of becomes boring or I can read through it and nothing really jumps out at me because it's almost like I'm too used to it. Whereas reading a different translation, or even if you have any kind of a foreign language understanding, like I have a Spanish Bible that I love to read because the way it's translated is so different, like the word pictures or the analogies or whatever that they're going to use to translate things are different. So they inspire something new in me. A translation that I really like to use, especially if I'm in kind of a dry spell or man, this week has been really, really hard. I need to just like rest in the beauty of scripture uh, is the Passion Translation. It's a translation of the Aramaic scriptures, which is a very poetic language. And so the translation is very poetic and passionate. That's the translation. Uh, But I find that reading that translation makes different passages of scripture really jump out to me that I might've just zoned right past it in a different translation. So I think having multiple translations really, really serves the reader well. So that would be my encouragement where mom's life is really busy. Things come up, kids get sick, there's work deadlines or whatever. So making it as easy for yourself as possible is going to be 
Awesome. And understanding that maybe today it's only five, that five minutes while the oven preheats, like that's literally all you had. <laughs> like, that's okay. <laughs> so don't let the time amount discourage you. If, so that would be my main encouragement. Oh, thank you so much, Kelsey. And thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to be chatting with Mama Theologians contributor Morgan Farr, and we're going to talk more about how we make time to read and study the Bible, even when life is extremely full. So in the meantime, we pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Hi, this is Amy again. Thanks so much for listening to Mama Theologians today. I hope you've been inspired and encouraged on your walk with the Lord. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please share it with a friend and your church. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and to follow Mama Theologians on social media to join the conversation about this episode.